Dracula! Dracula! Yeah, we're ready. Yet. Hello and welcome back to True Crime Guys Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. What's up, people? How's everybody doing? You ready to get medieval up in this motherfucker? Well, you better be. Yeah. Going back to the 14 bloody hundreds. The 15th century. Yeah. Eastern right. Europe. It's it's uh, a time before, before civilized society. Way before. A time of brutal politics. A time when it's hard to believe that humans really lived the way they did. A time that is the most Game of Thrones-ish. You'd like to think they, this is like there's so you can when after studying this case, yeah. watching documentaries, reading books on it, it's so clear that Game of Thrones uses this time period. I mean, I guess oh, that's com- that's common, you know, but it's yeah. like just so clear. <laughs> yeah, especially- the power struggle back then. It was just like everyone was overthrowing everyone. Like families uh, in like different cultures were fucking each other just so that they could get their absolutely daughter to marry some dude over there so they could get that territory eventually. Like it's just that's all it was. You know what though? Why did why did people have so many sons? Like because because they, they they knew they were all gonna get killed in some horrendous way and they needed as many as they could get. Oh, like, <laughs> so you just my wanna, first son was they was just, decapitated. Okay, my right. second son was buried alive. Oh yeah, that's now I have true. third backup. <laughs> that's yeah, that's such a typical family story back right. then, right? They had an heir, a spare, and then another spare, and right. another spare. Yeah, that's good. And they didn't have to be uh, full siblings. Playing the either. odds. Yeah, yeah. It, just, it didn't matter who your mother was. Your mother could be anybody. But if your father was a king, right? So yeah. they could they could literally have. Women having babies all over the place. It was all about family, bloodlines, and all that stuff. So the more you, the more seeds you planted and the more kids yeah. you had, the, the better off your family heritage would be in your line of more castles you could have. Right, well, that <laughs> makes sense. That makes sense. The more alliances you could possibly make peacefully right. through marriages. That being know? said, this case was super hard to get a grasp on. The, just, the, just to get a grasp on what Vlad's life was like. We're doing Vlad yeah. the Impaler. We're gonna dive into it after Michael's intro, obviously, but it—I still can't get enough of studying it. Even though the book, you—it's so easy to like lose track of what the hell happened. Like, because we're every source we studied went through things so fast because so much shit happened. Right. It's like constantly people were dying. Constantly there was new people in power. You know, kings and princes and whatever. Right. And uh, it feels like a a mythical land. It likes—I like to think that we are very far removed from this time period. Well, yeah, where we are we now. Are. You know what I mean? Yeah, evolution. So it makes it very hard. Like Way these places off. aren't even places anymore. These these countries aren't Valachia, even countries. Not a place anymore. Not a place anymore. Right. It's like southern Romania now or something like that. Yeah, Romania is still around, but right. yeah, Valachia it's gone. Transylvania still around. That's a place to visit. That place seems fucking awesome to visit because it's just a history. You know, there's castles everywhere. And Definitely going to be If you're be listening castles. from Transylvania, hit us up. Hit us up. <laughs> what kind of castles y'all got? Can up? we come stay? Because we're too lazy to even do a Google search, apparently. <laughs> do you guys have Airbnb there? Right. We want, we want, <laughs> can we Airbnb a castle? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Recording live from Wait Castle in Transylvania. Wait a minute. Are we, pr- are, are we promoting podcast. Airbnb now? I mean, did we? Should, we should mention that we are in a castle in Transylvania right now. We did oh, right. go there just to get a feel for the place for this episode. Right. The janitor is down, like playing the pian- organ right now. Michael put the battle noticed. axe down. <laughs> Sorry. It's not so fun cool. To, you, I'm afraid you're gonna hurt me. <laughs> but yeah, this case is gonna be fun, man. It's a little something, it something a little different. I wanted to do at some point. I wanted to do a torture episode, just straight up torture. Right. Hard to find audiobooks for just torture. You'd be surprised. Yeah, it's a lot of screaming. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's just not a lot yeah. of audiobooks. So right. Just like it's actually the the torture books that are out there. They're like old paperback only type shit. Wow. Or like leather bound books. That's a problem. I think that's how you should be reading about torture. Is leather bound books right. and like some burnt pages and shit. Right. Blood spatter on yeah. them. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Blood <laughs> they were testing out the tortures exactly. while they were writing the book. <laughs> right. <laughs> some of them have been cut by hacksaws. You, you can tell. Right. Left it on the saw while he was. Yeah, but uh, this one. Mm-hmm. It gives you that same feel of medieval times, and that's chock full of torture. This guy, Vlad the Impaler, he was um, a... Yeah. I mean, he definitely earned his nickname. Yeah, he did. I mean, if Impaling had an Olympics, he would win all the medals. Oh, for Impaling? Yeah, especially like... If that was an event? Yeah. Imagine like javelin throw. <laughs> right into someone's Dude, anus. <laughs> that, if he would have known that javelin throwing was a thing... Do you think he was doing the? He, he would have been the, so inspired. He wasn't doing the impaling though. He was like having, you know, his people do the impaling. I'm sure he was just sitting back. I feel like he was sitting back like Tyrion yeah, with a, a glass but, of wine, watching them being. But impaled, it would definitely like, be worth eating a it. nice roast beast while he was watching them be impaled. Yeah, but <laughs> but hear me out though. It'd be worth it to at least learn how to do it and and be able to impale one guy. All you gotta do is be able to impale oh, one sure. guy like that. For sure. You know what I'm, I'm sure he impaled himself more than one, for sure. But I think, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, he, he, there was one point where he, like, in one section of the story, there's 20,000 Turks yeah. that were impaled. Could be exaggeration, though. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. It's very sen- it was very sensationalized. What else they got to write about? You know what I mean? True. Scurvy? <laughs> How were they? Where are they getting all these uh, these poles to impale people with? What, 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 what Dude, are they told? The, whoever made poles... Fucking Killing making it. a fortune. Killing it. Making a fortune. Trees are just getting chopped down. Like forests are getting chopped down. Just <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> to me. For All right. Death. Let's let's do the intro. For so death. Obviously, we like this this case. So let's let's do the intro right. and get into it. Let's do it. Let's talk about Draculia. 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 Hello and welcome to the first ever Vlad the Impaler night at True Crime Guys Bar. Does anyone give a shit? Well, you should, because we have a great artist here. It's Mikey and the Tradition Fighters. Come here to play their hit song, Vlad the Impaler. Okay? You should you should you should be so lucky. So without further ado, give a big round of applause for Mikey and the Tradition Fighters. This here is a song I wrote about uh, Vlad the Impaler. Uh, funny story about Vlad the Impaler, he is uh, the inspiration for Dracula who, ironically, was very afraid of wooden stakes. But not, not Vlad. So, in case you were wondering, he was quite fond of him. But this here's a song about, uh, about him. Hope you enjoy it. He's not the first Vlad. He's not the second either. He's the Vlad that impaled all the people spreading terror across the land there's none more evil oh he's black the impaler he never had the biggest army but he'd never back down He'd stab you with one end of a stick and put the other end in the ground. If Ovalad looked your way, you can bet you'd never meet the jailer. Oh, he's Vlad 
You know they say uh, Vlad once impaled 20,000 people. 20,000 people. Holy shit. That's a spectacle. That's some Game of Thrones shit. Anyway, back to the last verse. This is what Vlad taught me. If at first you don't succeed, impale, impale again. No matter how hard he fought, he couldn't beat those Ottoman. When they finally caught old Vlad, I think they did the world a favor. When, when they killed Vlad the Impaler. Second either, but he's the black that impaled all the people. Spreading terror across the land, there's none more evil. He's the lad, the impaler. All right, our case this week, Vlad Dracula. Or Vlad number three. Vlad the third. Yeah. Uh, Draculia, actually. Draculia. If you want to get technical. Yeah, I mean, it, how he got the name's interesting. We'll dive into that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was actually in- inspiration for Bram Stoker's Dracula. Right, 400 years The before. infamous vampire. Um, and what's crazy about that is the fact that Dracula, super awesome, interesting... Uh, story, fictional, obviously. Right. A character that was, you know... A little more focused on blood than that was. Yeah, yeah it was on, you know yeah, I mean? totally different, yeah. But inspired by, a, you know, a freaking medieval torturer in Vlad the Impaler. Right, know, right. Tyrannical leader type... I would type think the, the disregard for humans that, that vampires have, Vlad also shared that. But... But what I was getting to, yeah, yeah, what I was getting to is the true story. The guy that he uh, was um, inspired by, right, to make that character of Dracula so much worse, like so much worse, way worse, <laughs> way worse than like like you know they say sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. This this is an example of that. Medieval right. time, like there's no stories that could be any crazier than the shit that went on in medieval. You times. know what's crazy? You know what just occurred to me? The real Dracula would have nothing to do with wooden pointy sticks. He'd be like, get those. Th- True. As That's what kills them, away right? From me, like ever. wooden stakes. Wooden stakes to the heart, man. Yeah. Exactly what Vlad Garlic, did to stakes. other people. If anything, Vlad is a Van Helsing. Yeah. 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 With complete disregard for human life as well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I and probably like, vampires too. And probably vampires. I feel like the, the name Dracula, he liked that. And he liked the look because, man, yeah. Vlad had a fucking badass look. Yeah, he did. It was the Vlad, mustache. He wasn't tall. Eyes. He was short and stocky. Had a sick mustache, like yeah. piercing green eyes that were like intense. Okay, a long here, nose. Here's the thing though, with piercing eyes, dressed I, like I a G. Figured out. You know how you have piercing eyes? You just move your eyes around slow. Yeah, that's. And creepy, then everybody right? has piercing eyes. Move your eyes slow. God, that's creepy. You want to creep some people out? Just move your eyes slow. That's look right. Look at them, and then slowly look at something else. Yeah. And, and then slowly, slowly look back at them again. Yeah. Make perfect eye contact. Yeah. I'm gonna do it. That's how right you get now. piercing See if you're eyes. Creeped out. Dude, I'm totally. Creeped. Oh damn! I can't oh, even do it that slow. No, go slow. 
I have a smile. Yeah, so those, are pierc- those are piercing eyes for sure, though. For sure. Uh, but yeah, he, he just, and he, he dressed like a G too, man. Like you look at old pictures of like drawing, it's like obviously not real <laughs> pictures. Paintings. They didn't have cameras back then, but they like the paintings of him. He like, he looked creepy, but cool. Like they definitely intense, def- like scary. Like you're like, Oh fuck. If I, I do the wrong can, thing, I'm going to end up with a stick up my ass. Right. <laughs> I think you can rely on paintings for things like that. Yeah. They really captured the yeah. vibe. And, pl- of and plus the person who was getting painted, you know what I mean? They are going to look at the painting and be like, yeah, that's what I'm wearing. He may have dressed up more knowing he was getting painted that day. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. You definitely dress up for your painting. (laughs) I mean... It's like photo day at school. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It just sucks because you really got to hold that pose for a long time. (laughs) All right. So so let's dive into him. Vlad III, Dracula, known as Vlad the Impaler, was a military commander and prince of Wallachia three times between 1448 and his death. So this is 15th century Eastern Europe, medieval times. Mm-hmm. He's often considered one of the most important rulers of Wallachia and had a national he- and, and is still kind of known as like a national hero to, ro- hero to Romania. So some people look at him as this monster, like something from, right. like, from hell. You know, like the, the, what he did to a lot of human beings is obviously horrible, and we're going to dive into a lot of the torture tactics. It wasn't just impaling. There was a but, lot of other stuff. Yeah, but Romania, if anybody, benefited from what he did. Yes, Absolutely, if any, if and anybody. also you can't put today's can, like today's uh, feel on this case. This is oh, medieval. absolutely right. Yeah, it's totally different tactics. Yeah, different everyone, politics back then. Everyone was crazy back then, dude. Like it's like <laughs> impaling was like not even like oh, he impaled twenty thousand people. Man, that's a little. That seems like a little much. I feel like that's what they would say back then. Like, yeah. Now we'd be like, what? <laughs> that would be fuck? like this. You couldn't even comprehend someone doing right that here. This yeah. should not even exist. Couldn't even comprehend. Your brain would explode if you heard <laughs> someone did this nowadays. <laughs> if you came across this field of twenty thousand, yeah, uh, impaled corpses, yeah, it would blow your fucking mind. Yeah, you'd be like, I'm definitely in a dream. Instant brain aneurysm just fall over. Yeah. Back then they'd be like, man, I feel like he went a little far. I think maybe. Like, oh well. Really? You want to go get some lunch? Right. <laughs> That's how it was back then. Right. Want to go to shish kebab? He was just a little, he was just, went a, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm craving some skewers. So you want to go to, yeah, I'm craving some Greek I like food. These, these, uh, these Boston Turks are just walking around. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, it, but I feel like he just went a little further than everyone else back then. A little bit, yeah. But he had to. Like he, when had no, he didn't have any real numbers. He was when, the king of bluffs. When you're known as being more cruel than others in medieval times, that's, mm-hmm. that's fucking insane. It is insane. So he was the second son of Vlad Dracul, who became the ruler of Wallachia in 1436. We mentioned Wallachia doesn't even exist anymore. This right. Is, uh, this Are you putting is, enough emphasis on the V that doesn't exist when you say yeah, that? Yeah, it's spelled W-A-L-L-A-C-H-I-A. Yeah. Wallachia, but it's Wallachia. Wallachia. I think it's like a V and a W together. Wallachia. Wallachia. Yeah. Wallachia. Yeah, it's like you start with a V and then you go into the hard W. Wallachia. Nolans. <laughs> Nailed it. Throwback to that episode. <laughs> that the Axeman of Northern. Right. All right. Vlad and his younger brother, Radu, were held as hostages. Man, this story, I just love it. The more you like, stu- I had to study it like 50 times. Like, I read, the, I got an audio. But it's book. worth it, though. Let's talk about Once the audio. You finally book. get it. It is, dude, right? Because it's just like you could picture a movie. I, I'm sure there, right? there's got to be Vlad movies, right? Vlad they're probably not even as good probably, as what really happened. Or probably, what? They're not. Know, yeah, they're good. At least what's written. But commonly. if you got like a badass director and a big budget, like a Game of Thrones type budget yeah, to make Quentin this Tarantino. story, dude, like, it's <laughs> just between him and his brother, like, yeah. what goes on, how Radu goes and becomes like Muslim with the Ottomans. Yep. And then he ends up 
uh, taking an army later on to fight against Vlad when he's the ruler of uh, Valachia later on and ends up like, yeah, it's just crazy. Like these Dude, brothers split alert. off. Yeah, it, but I mean, it's just we're gonna get into it. Yeah, the so brothers—they they couldn't be more different than each other. Yeah, but they, they probably were only half brothers. They chose after diff- all, though. They chose different paths. Let's just say that, and it's interesting. You could make a movie just off that yeah. alone. Um, so the book I got was Vlad the Impaler: A Life from Beginning to End. It's made by Hourly History. It's only an hour. Yep. Made by Hourly History. It's got audio book <laughs> form, um, and it was just all the. It was. Perfectly presented, all the facts. It's just you have to almost you cannot list speed it up. Like a lot of audiobooks, I speed up. No, sir. You gotta like Mm-mm. not only not speed it up. I almost needed to slow it down because they go like we said. They go this any case you or any uh, form of studying you do for this case. It just seems like documentaries, everything they move through right. stuff so fast because so much shit was happening. And like so many and like we this dude's day to day life like anyone back then. But Vlad's life, for right. example, like everyday shit was happening. Crazy shit. Yeah, know? exactly. He he was getting. Uh, power over a certain territory and then all of a sudden he'd be thrown out of there and almost killed and then have to like flee and go to an uncle in some other place right it's like it's madness dude like they all it, they it was all a, it woke was a up might, thinking i might die terribly today that was like their dude it was a then. might makes right uh, oh, world society. back then yeah. it was a straight up panzram it's like the t- time period he should have been born in instead mm-hmm. of the early 1900s or whatever yeah panzram would have kicked ass back then yeah <laughs> oh man he would have took it to way too far dude he, he oh man I guess he did his own form of impaling, right? I guess so. Sodomy? Yikes. <laughs> yeah, we got that sodomy joke there. <laughs> did you get that? Hilarious. Really, I had to really make sure you understood. <laughs> you get it? You know? You know, because he impaling, sodomized you know. a bunch of people. Right. All right. So Vlad's early life, let's get into his upbringing, what we know about. We don't even know his birthday. We know like a, within a few months of the year. He was the second legitimate son of Vlad II Dracul, who was an illegitimate son of Mercy. Um, I think she was like uh, Princess Mercy or Queen Mercy. Oh, it was Queen Mercy okay. of Wallachia. Vlad II had won over the moniker Dracul for his membership in the Order of the Dragon, a militant fraternity founded by Holy Roman Emperor Sig- Sigismund. And so they had this like band of brothers or whatever that would go around and fight for Christianity. Right. They had a pretty badass insignia. If you look it up, the... Uh, the Order of the Dragons insignia. How could it not be? Their logo is pretty dope. Yeah. And so they were like crusaders. Especially for that time, too. Can you imagine on some armor and some shit? Yeah. So they yeah. were, so uh, Vlad the Impaler's father, uh, Dracul, Vlad Dracul, uh, he was a crusader for Christianity, a part of this, part of this Order of the Dragon that would go around fighting right. to keep Christianity alive Dracul because. actually meant dragon. Yeah. Meant dragon. And nowadays it means uh, de- a devil. Right. So it's, it, and it's so basically the. A little different. The way that uh, Vlad Vlad the Third or Vlad the Impaler got his moniker of uh, Dracula was just because he was the son of Dracul, and that's what do they that's call it? it? They added that because he was Dr- the son. Like yeah, the the, the suffix ia at yeah. the end meant yeah. son of. Yeah, and so yeah, his dad was going around fighting for Christianity against yeah. the Muslim because the Muslims were trying to expand and take over, and they were worried about their faith being absolved. Yeah, and their power. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're a band of guys out there fighting for the Holy Roman Emperor. And so the Order of the Dragon was dedicated to halting the Ottoman advance into Europe. As he was old enough to be a candidate for the throne of Wallachia in 1448, his time of birth would have been between 1428 and 1431. Vlad was most likely born after his father settled in Transylvania in 1429. So we know that around 1428, 1431, he was born. I think most people say 1431, right? Yeah. Um, historians have determined that Vlad was born in the Transylvanian Sasek, Saxon town of Sigisora. We're going to butcher a lot of names. 
Just so you know, I'm sure you already knew that. Well, these places don't exist anymore. We're anyways, done. as long as we don't talk about lizards in this one, we should yeah, be okay. Yeah, just don't say anything about animals. God damn. Yeah, the the uh, just to quickly mention last week's episode, <laughs> the uh, the Komodo dragon is the is the uh, lizard that we were talking about that bites water Dude. buffalo legs and sits and in we mentioned up. that that lizard as well, but I guess it didn't make it onto the episode. Yeah, somehow it, it, we must have cut it out or something. You know, Gila monster just sounds more badass. It does, to be honest. They both yeah. they're both scary sounding lizards that both are poisonous by the way. Right. Someone tweeted us all angrily and saying <laughs> saying <laughs> saying oh, that shit. Gila monsters are sweet little creatures <laughs> and I pick them up and make them my friend. I'm like, "All right, well, I googled it and it <laughs> says that they have a painful bite and they're poisonous." So, I have fun right. with that. Yeah. Have fun making them your friend and getting fucking bit. I was like, I just Googled that shit. But it, when we started a <laughs> true crime podcast, the last thing I expected is like two yeah. years down the line to be arguing with people on Twitter about lizards. Right. <laughs> you know, if anything, if we got a detail wrong about a true crime thing, that's right. fine. But yeah, you know, our lizard knowledge is not up to standard. It's not up to par. We should have known better. Although we do live in the desert. We should know better. We should be? Yeah, I think so. Okay. We know we don't touch them. They're all endangered because it's hot out here and it's hard to live. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Their tails pop off too, most of them. Yeah. I do know that. <laughs> <laughs> so back to Vlad. Modern historians identify Vlad's mother either as a daughter or a kinswoman of Alexander uh, of Moldavia, or as his father's unknown first wife. Um, so yeah, his father, Vlad II, he was uh, he had a wife, but he was also screwing people all over the place. So we don't really know truly um, who Vlad the Impaler's mother was. Right. No one knows. There's a lot of stuff about Vlad that we'll never know. The, they were surprisingly open in, with sexuality at this time. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, if... Uh, Vlad wasn't, though. If you were a man. I, uh, Vlad the Impaler, Vlad Dracula, yeah. uh, was very not fond of ad- adultery or any kind of... Like, even premarital sex, like, he would impale women for that. Well, he didn't want all kinds of women. Shit. Well, I didn't say you had rights if you were women. But oh, they were okay. more progressive with the men's sexual rights there. So men can go around banging everybody, but the yeah, women that they bang that are, that are uh, either married or haven't been married to the person, they, they, they oh, should be killed, oh, right? impale them immediately, please. Yeah, different time. <laughs> uh, Vlad II Dracul seized Wallachia, or Wallachia, after the death of his half-brother Alexander Aldea in 1436, after a meeting with John Hyundai, or Hyundai, Hunyadi, that's right, Hunyadi. Mm. Big player in this, this case, actually, John Hunyadi. Military commander of Transylvania, Vlad II Dracul did not support an Ottoman invasion of Transylvania in March 1442. The Ottoman Sultan, Murad II, ordered him to come to Gallipoli, I think that's how it's said, Gallipoli, to demonstrate his loyalty. Vlad and Radu accompanied their father to the Ottoman Empire where they were all imprisoned. Yeah, so the, the Sultan imprisons the sons and essentially holds them captive as a means of making, uh, making sure that Vlad II Dracul is going to live up to what he said he was going to do right? in helping out the Ottomans. And that was a pretty common practice back then. They would basically just hold your family captive until they got what they wanted especially, out of you. Especially the next uh, heirs to the throne. Right. They're, they're even more valuable than just any kind of prisoners. For mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, Vlad Dracul was released before the end of the year, but Vlad and Radul, Radu uh, remained hostages to secure their father's continued loyalty. Their lives became even more in danger after their father supported Vladislav, king of Poland and Hungary, against the Ottoman Empire during the Crusade of Varna in 1444. Why would you do that while your kids are being held captive? <laughs> <laughs> That's like the worst idea. Yeah, you're going to take it out on them. Your enemy has your two kids, your two right. sons and heirs to your throne after you die, and you're like, you know what, fuck you, I still don't like you, and I'm still going to fight against you. <laughs> well, they didn't have to be his enemy. They weren't even truly enemies until he did what he did. Yeah, and so Vlad Dracul was convinced that his two sons were butchered for the sake of Christian peace after he basically conspired against them again. 
against the Ottomans. Um, so but, he just wrote him off. He's like, eh, I'm, he was willing to sacrifice him. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah. You know, that's the time. Right. But neither, it's a big, because back then things were really bigger than your individual self. They really were like you laying your life down could actually make a massive difference in this time period of, and this, this part of the world. Right. It could change everything. Nowadays, like, I don't know, one life is, seems to wow. be less, I guess. I don't know. I mean, we're not, we're not impaling people by the thousands True. anymore. True. So in that, in that sense. I think life is a little more valuable. Well, I would say uh, noble people's lives meant more, and then peasants were there was thousands to be butchered at all the time. Right. Unfortunately, that's the way it was. The, the classes were different. Now anyone I has see a what chance. you're saying. Yeah. Um, it, at least in America and and many good countries, but there's still somewhere there's still those classes like that. But neither Vlad nor Radu were murdered or mutilated after their father's rebellion. So they were actually treated pretty well by the Ottoman Empire while they were in. They must have grown to like them. Well, for sure, Radu did. He became one of them. Vlad and Radu... That's a great point. <laughs> yeah. Radu just took it on. Like, all right, I'll, I'll be one of y'all. Especially after his... Uh, you know what? Maybe Radu was right. His father was like, fuck you. He's like Loki. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Radu just be- became one of them. Vlad yeah. Vlad fought the whole way. The whole time he was in captivity, he was still like, no, I'm not going to become one of y'all. You guys can try and indoctrinate me. I'm still Christian and this and that. Right. Vlad and Radu managed to flee the Ottoman Empire eventually, which suggests that the Sultan had allowed them to leave after their father had paid homage. Not long after they were uh, they were graded, the brothers were granted their freedom. Vlad Dracul and his eldest son, Mercia, were murdered. And how they were murdered? Brutal. Brutal. So the uh, father was beheaded, right? Yep. And then the, the eldest son, Mercia, was actually buried alive. They just, they were just bored with, with randomly killing people, you know? I get the beheading thing. I don't think that'd be the worst way to go if it was done right. You know what killed? Over and a split. I think we've talked about it before. Yeah. Um, but if it's done right, obviously it can go wrong. Mm-hmm. If they strike you and it doesn't do the job right the first time, but yeah. if you got a good guillotine that's properly tuned in or right, properly a uh, big man sharpened. with an axe that's right. very sharp, mm-hmm. it's just over. Although they've done study, then they do studies back in the day where they ask the person that got uh, beheaded to blink for as long as they're still conscious, and it's like fifteen seconds or something. You're still oh shit aware. I imagine it takes a, a few it takes seconds. A, yeah, it takes a few seconds. Yeah, and you're so yeah, someone was that was beheaded was able to blink for 15 seconds. So they were sitting wow. there like, yeah, there goes my body. And uh, yep, <laughs> 15, 15 seconds. That's a, a long, long fucking time. time when you really think Dude, about it. To be sitting there without long. a body. <laughs> oh my god! If you've learned anything from us today, it's the 15 seconds 15 is a long time seconds. to not have your body. Just just be ahead. That is a long time. Do you think you can still feel your body? No, no. You probably think you can. I bet you can't feel a damn thing. You're probably thing. tripping out. I bet you can't feel a damn thing. I bet... Uh, you don't think you could even feel an, the side of your face on the ground? It's probably an endorphin rush or like you're on uh, some kind of strong uh, hallucinogen- hallucinogenic. They say that your your brain releases uh, endorphins, DMT right. or something like that. Uh, it's where you're just like tripping out. But, I mean, if you've gotten really hurt before, if you had like a super bad injury, you yeah. do go into shock and you don't feel... Absolutely. So that, that, that's Absolutely. designed for a reason. Yep. So I think I think if you got beheaded or yeah, it's a defense system. Yeah. Yep. Man, did you hear that Joe Rogan episode with the the bodybuilder that went on and had the heart attacks and he had a heart he actually had a heart uh, transplant? CT Fletcher. Yes. Yeah. I've heard it. Well, I've heard his first one on there with. Yeah. Him. If you guys haven't heard that, go check it out. Joe Rogan with CT Fletcher on. That dude's a beast. Dude has had most like, motivational dude in the world. He's died like twice. He's flatlined with heart attacks, and he told how 
he told the story of dying and he said for sure 100% he knows there's something after death that it's not just over yeah he can say that with certainty because he died twice and also he said that when uh when when he was the last time he flatlined he was just talking to his wife and all of a sudden the, the lights went out it was like a tv shutting off and he's like he know uh, with uh, with 100% certainty that you're dying that's it you know like in that moment uh, this oh, is it shit. i'm done and so, well, obviously it wasn't though. So. No, but he, I mean, you essentially did die for a few minutes. And he said that, uh, after just a couple minutes of being dead, when they revived him, he said he felt like he had a full night's rest. <laughs> he never felt better in his life. Really? It's like, Jesus. Cause you're happy to be alive. Yeah. It's that gratitude. Yeah. True. That's what it was. It He's him. on it, borrowed time. That's it, why he it, looks at life now. Yep. He now has a woman's heart, actually. A, one of the most strong, we had one point, one of the best bodybuilders in the world. Yeah now has a, a woman's heart and i guess it's grown to adjust to his body like that's how crazy the body is it just kind of like oh my god we're amazing right humans are amazing like cyborgs man yeah pretty soon man we're just going to be putting our brain into a robot's body and we're going to live forever live forever i've been saying this for a while yep. i'm saying we're going to have self-driving cars mm -hmm. and we're going to be able to just slap our body into a cyborg body our brain yeah we're going to be like terminators Dude, not, just it could just be a copy of our consciousness yeah and that can just go on yeah, someone who t is two people who take pretty good care of their bodies and will work yeah. to do that. Isn't it going to be kind of annoying when you see like a slob, lazy person that is just, that like, just gets a whole new body, gonna get a cyborg body? <laughs> and they're like, going to be son of a bitch. They're going to be all badass, and you're like, you didn't work for that. <laughs> you didn't work for that. <laughs> you don't deserve that body, right? Well, throw some water on you, short circuit, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's let's get back on track and talk about Vlad's family. Vlad had two wives. According to modern historians, his first wife may have been, a, been an illegitimate daughter of Vladislav II. Vlad's second wife was Justina Sidligai, I don't know, what, it. who was a cousin of Matthias Corvinus. This is what I mean about this story is it gets crazy. It's like everyone's cousins with someone, and they right. all own castles, and, and they all own territories, and it's just like... Not the most exciting part of the story. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> spare the details on like the constant power struggle and stuff. Just know that it's constant Game of Thrones shit. People are constantly being killed, and then new and people fucking. take their place, and fucking... And a lot of killing and fucking. Cousins be banging and all kinds of shit. It's very... That's Game of Thrones happens. is pretty realistic in that sense. Yeah. Minus the uh, White Walkers and all that. Right. And the dragons were a little bit different. They were just people named after dragons. True. Yeah. Do you see the behind the scenes thing they're coming out with on HBO? Behind the scenes of Game of Thrones, it looks really good. No, dude, I haven't even watched Game of Thrones. Oh, you're fucking. It's a protest just, at this just point. Leave. I just don't even fucking want to do it. Welcome to the True Crime Guy podcast, <laughs> <laughs> dude. It's too much of an undertaking. He's not worthy. Just watch it. Just have. I, just start putting it on, and you'll it's get sucked in. Hours of my life. I gotta say, first episode, you gotta make it through that one. It was a little. It, you know, like, I'm not a big TV guy. You know that. I guess so. You know that. Yeah. All right, Vlad's eldest son, Mania, was born 1462. Vlad's unnamed second son was killed before 1486. His third son, Vlad Dracuala, this is why they have a lot of kids. Like I said, hey, man. one was already killed. Um, but his third son, Vlad Dracuala, unsuccessfully laid claim to Wallachia around 1495, 20 years after Vlad the Impaler's death. He was the forefather of the noble Dracuala family. Drac Dracula? I don't know. Dracula. Dracula. <clears throat> so let's talk about Vlad's first rule. Upon the death of his father and elder brother, Vlad became a potential claimant to the rule of Wallachia. Vladislav II, formerly known as John Hunyadi, launched a campaign against the Ottoman Empire in September of 1448. Taking advantage of his opponent's absence, Vlad broke into Wallachia, leading an Ottoman army in early October. The Ottomans defeated Vladislav II's army in the Battle of Kosovo between October 17th and 18th, hey, my birthday, in 1448. <laughs> 
somewhere around your birthday. Yeah, yeah. it started on my birthday. And oh. Vladislav II re- returned to Wallachia at the head of the re- remnants of his army. Vlad was forced to flee the Ottoman Empire on December 7th, 1448. Um, and so he's in exile. His first set- He first settled in Idrin, which was located in the Ottoman Empire after his fall. Not long after, he moved to Moldavia, where Bogan II, his father's brother-in-law, and possibly his maternal uncle, had attained the throne <laughs> with Vladislav II's support. This is what I mean. Yeah, like, you he, could, he you takes could put over. possibly his uncle on like anybody. Yeah, he becomes ruler of Vlaki like a bunch of times, and then yeah. someone like someone with a bigger army will show up, kick him right. out, and then he has to go to an uncle's house for a while. Right. It's like, you know, I got to get my shit together. It's like, uncle. no wonder he went as extreme <laughs> as he did, because every time he went back, he was like, all right, that didn't scare him. All right, all right, right. all right. We have the same <laughs> shit going on now, just on a much lamer scale, where it's like, you have that nephew that's like yeah, it's more of a Twitter war now he just can't keep a job you know he gets fired <laughs> and then he ends up coming to your house for a while and you're like you hook him up with another job right right at the time it was like you get another territory like you get to rule thousands of people it's like right. all right I'll give you Velakia all right, right? <laughs> just get out of my house <laughs> go be, fucking behead a bunch of people or impale them whatever you, whatever it is you do hey, dude, just keep them out of there will you yeah <laughs> um so uh, yeah so this is uncle he attained the throne with Vladislav the second support after. Bogdan was murdered in October 1451. Bogdan's son, Stephen, fled to Transylvania with Vlad to seek assistance from Vladislav II. Have you guys been able to keep up with this? Because I'm barely nailing it. able to. Vlad event allegedly wanted to settle in Brazov, but Vladislav II forbade anyone to give him shelter. Vlad returned to Moldavia, where Alexandril had dethroned the current ruler. What a shocker. Power struggle, power struggle. Listen, the turnover in the ruler position is just so high. It's Game of Thrones, It's dude. so high. It's, it's Game like... of Thrones. <laughs> Dude, why would you even want to be ruler? It's got to feel great though when you sit in that seat. Does it for a few minutes? Can and you imagine somebody the poisons you? Or f- I would be an I'd be like an instant insomniac. I would not want to sleep. Right out of paranoia. I agree. I, you just there's always someone gunning for you. Someone's going to be knocking out your I, castle walls soon enough. I wouldn't want to eat because I'd be like they poison this food. You yeah. know, I wouldn't want to walk outside. You want to get a fucking hatchet in your head oh, or some man, shit. You gotta watch Game of Thrones. I just like thought of like two different poisoning scenes in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> one girl, one girl in that show makes this douchebag eat his own uh, daughters. Like she like cooked them in a stew, like in a pot pie, and he's eating them, and, and then she's wearing someone else's face, which he knows, and he, and then she's like uh, basically tells him that yeah, that pie you're eating your daughters, and then she kills him. Jesus, she Christ. rips her like the fake face off. It's dope. You gotta watch that show. Spoiler alert if you whoa, haven't seen whoa. it. Whoa. <clears throat> that was like, I don't know what season. That was pretty early on. So mm. if you haven't seen it, good. That's your own year. That's on you. Long to see that. All right. The events <laughs> of his life during the years that followed are unknown. It's assumed that Vlad returned to Hungary before July 3rd, 1456, because on that day, Vladislav II informed the townspeople of Brasov that he had, at, he had tasked Vlad with the defense of the Transylvanian border. It's unknown how or when the two put aside their differences and decided to work together. Um, but this is when Vlad goes into his second rule. Um, he invaded Wallachia with the Hungarian support either in April, July, or August of 1456. Uh, Vladislav II died during the second invasion, and Vlad sent his first letter as a military commander of Wallachia to the citizens of Brazov on September 10, 1456. He promised to protect them in case of an Ottoman invasion in Transylvania. Um, but he also sought their assistance if the Ottomans occupied Wallachia. In the same letter, he stated that, quote, when a man or a prince is strong and powerful, he can make peace if he wants to. But when he is weak, a stronger one will come and do what he wants to him. 
hinting at this authoritarian personality. I think that was the motto. That of, is how it is, though. That, right? that was the motto then. You could that, not be a weak leader back then. Yeah. You had to r- rule was, with fear, you know? That was the way it was. Yeah. And being that crazy and, and, and creating that kind of uh, fear is actually what saved them from being completely engulfed by the Ottomans at one point with the 20,000 yeah. soldiers on stakes that it, we'll get to. Yeah. It kind of put, put, put them in their tracks like, uh, we really want to do this? Do we really want to do this? We have to pass. We have to go through a few miles of uh, our own men impaled on stakes before we can even it's go like to three battle. kilometers. That'll break your spirit a little bit. Three kilometers. Yeah. And it was one kilometer wide. They were all in like, what we're going to do Supposedly. It. All in different stages of decomposition, impaled in different ways. Yeah, it's crazy Yikes. shit. Multiple sources recorded that at least hundreds, if not thousands of people were executed at Vlad's order at the beginning of his reign. That's a way to set president, you know, right away. Mm -hmm. Kill a bunch of people. Right. He began a purge of the aristocrats who had participated in the murder of his father and elder brother or whom he is suspected as uh, plotting against him. Man, they just had to suspect you. That's it. Yeah. Back then, there's just... You don't even want to give an inkling that you're Rumors could be deadly as hell back then. (laughs) Yeah. Rumors, a little whisper in the ear, someone's getting beheaded real quick. (laughs) There were so many players behind the scenes, man. Vlad quickly effected a great change on the economy of Wallachia by granting money, property, and various goods that had belonged to his victims to other citizens he favored. Yeah, so he killed a bunch of the upper echelon uh, aristocrats in Wallachia, and then he started, like, he won over the peasants in a lot of ways, and, like, the lower class by giving out the goods of that and then just getting rid of these upper echelon douchebags. Right, and if you have the support and the numbers of the peasants, you're mm-hmm. in pretty good shape then. I right. mean, and also, they're not rich enough to have any kind of rebellion. Yeah. So The various lists of the members of the council during Vlad's reign also show that only two of them were able to retain their positions between 1457 and 1461. That's, yeah, that's not many. He got rid of the rest, I guess. Yeah. So let's go into the conflict with the Saxons. After Vladislav II died on August 11th, 1456, his elder son, Ladislas Hanyadi, became the captain general of Hungary. He accused Vlad of having, quote, no intention of remaining faithful to the king of Hungary. He urged the people to support Vladislav II's brother, Dan III, against Vlad. A civil war broke out in Hungary, and Vlad assisted Stephen, son of Borgan II of Moldavia, in his move to seize Moldavia in June 1457, Vlad also broke into Transylvania and plundered the villages around Brasov and Sibiu. Sibiu. The earliest German stories about Vlad recounted that he carried men, women, children from a Saxon village to Wallachia and had them impaled. Yeah, that's a, another theory about all the information you find on Vlad is that the oldest things and the most common are written in German who would not have a good... Uh, uh, picture, picture of, of who, who Vlad was. was. Yeah, they only saw the bad shit. Yeah, I mean, you know, like because he's you know burned, pillaged their villages and things like that. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't sit well with the community when you do that sort of thing, right? And that's much. That's like kind of the thing about ancient history is like you hear usually a few sources and they all have uh, like they all have uh, their own take on it for a reason. Like they have their they're biased. Yeah, they're putting their spin on so, it. So, like, you'll hear writings from, like, what, Alexander the Great, and, of course, he's making himself, he's writing his own story, right. and making it sound tremendous, and then you hear the other side, and it makes him sound terrible, so you're trying to, like, read Yours, mine, lines. and the truth type thing, yeah. Yeah, yep. Ladislas Hanyadi's younger brother, Matthias Corvinus, was elected king of Hungary on January 24th, 1458. He ordered the nobles of Sibiu to keep the peace with Vlad in March 1458, in May, Vlad asked the nobles of Brasov to send craftsmen to Wallachia, but his relationship with the Saxons deteriorated before the end of the year. 
According to scholars, conflict emerged after Vlad forbade the Saxons to enter Wallachia, forcing them to sell their goods to Wallachian merchants at compulsory border fairs. Oh, that's dirty. Right. The dirty. Saxons then confiscated some steel that Wallachian merchant had bought them had brought it in at one point of the border's fairs without repaying the money they had spent to them. In response, Vlad, quote, ransacked and tortured and most likely impaled some Saxon merchants and their families. Matthias Corvinus, king of Hungary, supported Dan III, or Vladislav II's brother, against Vlad. Dan III stated that Vlad had Saxon merchants and their children impaled and burnt alive in Wallachia. Yikes. But I wonder, but Dan III would have said anything to get Vlad's brother on his side. Interesting election campaigns they got going on where it's like, yeah. He impaled a bunch of children. <laughs> I gotta be better than that. What the Italian? He impaled a bunch of children. I try to drive in my Romanian accent, but it's tough. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dracul. Okay. Dracul. He impaled a bunch of people. I don't, I don't know, man. Yeah. Shit. Dracul approved this message. <laughs> Dan III broke into Wallachia, but Vlad defeated and executed him before April 22nd, 1460. Vlad then invaded southern Transylvania and destroyed the suburbs, suburbs of Brazov ordering the impalement of every single man and woman who had, had been captured. During ensuing negotiations, Vlad demanded the expulsion of punishment of all Wallachian refugees from Brasov. Peace had been restored by July 26, 1460, when Vlad addressed the nobles of Brasov and his brothers and friends. <laughs> He's like, that's pretty much everyone who has surrendered. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like how it says, peace had been restored. Right. Yeah, peace had been restored out of straight fear. It's everyone else that didn't want to get fucking on a stake. Yeah, peace is a... Uh interesting concept back then because yeah. there's no real peace. No, it was, it was peace just... by fear only. And how long would it last? Like now, yeah. if we have peace, it could last decades maybe. Yeah. You know, and but back then it was like a week and then it's back to war again. They don't it was know like, anything else. They just, like, that's all they do. You just stay peaceful with someone until you're strong enough that you think you can take them. Right. If you've ever played like uh, Age of Empires or any of those games, they're really fun. It's the same to, idea. To do the same type of shit, yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll, like, you even, like, go into, like, peace treaties with people and stuff, but you're like, yeah, I think you're a little stronger than me right now. I'm going to build up a little bit more. So, yeah, let's have peace for now. Yeah, let's have It works for me. <laughs> but if you feel stronger, you're like, fuck you. I'm coming in, coming in bitch. Coming in. <laughs> so maybe we're not so far you, removed you from this You instantly become uh, tyrannical when you play those games, dude. My favorite is Civilization. That game is yeah. so awesome. You build up your own civil. You pick. You could pick, like, the Roman Empire, or you could pick the Greeks, yeah. or the America, whatever, and then you try to get, like, technologies faster than other people, so you're, like, bombing dudes with spears and shit. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> awesome game. Um, so, the Ottoman War. It was recorded that Vlad refused to pay homage to the Ottoman Sultan. Another uh, historian wrote that Vlad had failed to pay tribute to the Sultan for three years in a row. This would have been a grave insult at the time. Vlad tried to, yeah, because they were much bigger, and so you kind of had to, yeah. it's like the mafia, you had to pay them or else, or else pay the consequences, exactly. and he's saying, fuck you. What are you going to do if we don't? Yep. Vlad tried to start new negotiations with the Matthias Corvinius of Hungary, but the sultan was soon informed by his spies, an envoy was sent ordering Vlad to come to Constantinople. Constantinople. Secret instructions were then sent to the Bay of Nic Nicopolis uh, to capture Vlad after he crossed the Danube. However... Vlad had his people as well, and he found out about the Sultan's plan and captured both the Bey and the Sultan's envoy and had them executed. <laughs> yeah, so he's, he was waiting Sounds for like their we ambush. Have a spy. You had your ambush? I know about your ambush. I got yeah. my own ambush now, motherfuckers. Right. <laughs> I'm going to ambush your ambush. I'm going to ambush your ambush. Right. 
put you make a bunch of shish kebabs. It's a good t-shirt. I'm gonna ambush your ambush. Yeah, sounds sexual. You just gotta be first. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't that not sound sexual? A a little bit. Ambush your ambush. A a little bit. I think it's because you're saying bush so much. I know. A lot of bush there. Yeah. Vlad continued to invade the Ottoman Empire, devastating the villages along the Danube. In a letter in a letter to Matthias Corvinus, he stated that more than twenty three thousand eight hundred eighty four Turks and Bulgarians had been killed at his order during the campaign many of them ending up on stakes to later be displayed. Having learned of Vlad's invasion, the sultan raised an army of more than 150,000 strong that was said to be second in size only to the one that occupied Constantinople in 1453. The Ottoman fleet landed at the only Wallachian port in the Danube in May. The main Ottoman army crossed the Danube under the command of the sultan on June 4th, 1462, and this is when we get to see these... He, you know, he doesn't play by your normal rules no, no, of war, no. man. Uh, Vlad, he, he plays by he, his own set. He, he like, knew how to set a scene. He has some tax. He knows that he's uh, he's overwhelmed by the Ottoman Empire. Right. He knows that they're they're if they just go to try and fight them in a normal battle out in the field, it's gonna not gonna go his way. Right. So he's gonna do a bunch of dirty tactics to try and break their spirit. Some intense scare tactics. Yeah. Outnumbered, Vlad decided to adopt a scorched earth policy and retreated. You can also do that in civilization. <laughs> you can burn like fertile like farmlands and stuff and like burn their territories. If you don't want to take over the city, if you don't want to take on the burden of it, you just burn the shit. <laughs> yeah, so he deci- he decided to adopt a scorched earth policy. He retreated during the night of June 16th through 17th, 1462. Vlad broke into the Ottoman camp to capture or kill the sultan. He actually dresses like them, goes into their camp, finds which one the uh, sultan is staying in, like his tent. Right. And plans to come back that night with two, you know, two of his uh, his army split in two and attack their camp at night because they were ordered by the sultan to stay in their tents at night, right? Uh, just to create to prevent chaos in case of an attack, which allowed him to just kind of casually walk through and try and figure out where the, you know, the sultan was. Um, That's un- ballsy to do this himself. Unfortunately, it really speaks to his his character and how bad he wanted this. Right, it does. It really does. Like it's easy to have to order people impaled all the time, but. Well, he was. It was drilled into him from the time he was a boy by his father and by everyone uh, in, in Romania was, and Wallachia that it, you know it was. From what we know, his his father seemed like a very honorable man. Yeah, I mean, he fought for the Crusaders, for Christianity, for for what their. People, I mean, for their know? time. Yeah, everyone was fighting for their people and their culture, and that's. But what I'm saying is, like, he he showed mercy even upon conquering. He wasn't impaling everyone. I True. mean, he was he was merciful and honorable for that time, mm-hmm. which you know by today's standards would be like Jesus Christ still, mm-hmm. but. You know what I'm trying to say. Right. It was much, Vlad took it to another level. Yeah, Vlad may have picked up some things from, you know, some tra- some of his travels through time. He may have picked up some torture tactics. Well, I mean, he, he was really... half raised from the, by the Ottoman Ottomans themselves. Yeah, and he may have picked up some torture tactics from them. And I don't know, everybody was pretty evil back then. That's all we know. <clears throat> Unfortunately, the Vlachians chose the wrong tent, not the one with the Sultan in it. They thought they knew, but they didn't. They picked Damn the it. wrong one. He went they, to the bathroom. They attacked the tents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What did a bathroom look like back then? <laughs> Hole in the ground? Oh, shit. Yeah, the Vlachians chose the wrong tent and attacked the tents of some high-ranking officials instead of the sultan. Having failed, Vlad and his men left the Ottoman camp at dawn. The sultans entered the town of Targavista, Targaviste. At the end of June, the entire town had been deserted, but the Ottomans were horrified to discover a forest of the impaled. This is what we kept, kept alluding to, was the 20,000 Ottoman 
soldiers and, and just Ottoman people in general. Right. The town was filled with thousands of stakes impaled with the bodies of people Vlad had executed. The Sultan's army entered the area with stakes, but was which was over one ten thousand feet long and four thousand feet wide. It's like roughly one kilometer by three kilometers. The stakes were very large, and it was said about 20,000 men, women, and children had been impaled. There were even infants affixed to their mothers on stakes, and birds had been had made nests in the entrails. Dude, that's brutal. Yeah, so like we said, different states of de- decomposition as well. Some were like basically skeletons. They'd been up there so long. Some were pretty fat, This was fresh. like, this was... This is the complete disregard Imagine for like we were image. referring to. Like this, this is just to make a point. This, this, is, this, this is just a bluff. This is why I love history because it's just so hard to imagine that this really happened, but it did. I mean, to to an extent, obviously, there's a lot of reading between the lines, and you're getting different writings and whatnot. But right. this is pretty much corroborated on several different sources that this is pretty much what happened. You know, like the Ottomans didn't have any reason to lie about this. Yeah, unfortunately, this was this was in everything I could find. Yeah, dude, twenty thousand people staked up, yeah. like like for what did they say, four thousand, uh, ten thousand feet long. So how many yeah. feet are in a mile again? Five thousand two hundred eighty. So just about two miles. Yeah, two miles of that's incredible. Dead bodies impaled, and that's the impaling awful. that he, we haven't even talked about the way that he would impale. Um, it was not always done quickly. They were not always done. It was most of the time done with a dull stick, not a sharp one, in order to not pierce anything uh, vital. He Mm -hmm. wanted you to suffer over a couple days. It would a lot of times take up to two days to die. It would be a a rounded end stick, and you'd be basically all of your weight would be sitting. You know, it would go up your anus, your vagina, or in your navel. Right. Um, And it would take, yeah, hours and hours and hours for you to die. You'd just be slowly being impaled. And so, yeah, one of the worst ways you can imagine to die. He also killed people uh, via fire. There was one point I'm sure we'll get into in the story where he killed and... Oh, you're talking about the, like, uh, how he cleansed poverty from his town? Yeah, I think... We, yeah. I don't know if it's in the crime line, but I guess we'll just talk about it right now. At one yeah, point, In one point during his rule of Lakia, mm-hmm. he got tired of seeing uh, poverty. He has got tired of seeing poor people with their hands out asking for money. Right. Well, I think poverty was more of a threat back then, too, and I think there was more pressure on him at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't think like he just one day was like, I'm tired of walking past all these homeless people. I think there was a lot of pressure because you know the homeless also carried a lot more diseases and things like that because just infections. They couldn't, they couldn't be clean. Right. You know what I mean? So I think there was like more pressure on him to, to take this drastic measure, not, not trying to justify it or anything. Yeah, but there's no justifying There's no this. justifying this at Very all. Very Game of Thrones-esque uh, scene here. Where I just he... don't think he's the only one that came up with this idea is what I'm saying. Okay. Well, yeah, it was medieval times, so I wouldn't imagine. I'd imagine a... maybe one I of his... I think the uh... council may have voted for this. Yeah. Let me put it to you that way. Yeah, well, different time, as we mentioned. Yeah. Medieval times back then, the, uh, one of the ways they thought of to take care of the uh, pr- poverty problem and, and the... Uh, the beggars was to collect them all up for a nice meal in a large wooden barn yep. away from town, uh, feed them a nice meal, and then lock up the doors to this big wooden barn and set it ablaze. And they burned all of them. Not a single person got out. Nope. And I believe it was like thousands, right? Or at least hundreds yeah. of people. So, yeah, you can imagine that scene. It's much like something from Game of Thrones. Um the sultan was amazed and said that he could not deprive his country of a man who had done such great deeds, who had such a diabolical, diabolical understanding of how to govern his realm and its people. He also said that a man who had done such things was worth a great deal. Now, this is his response to seeing two miles of impaled human beings, a lot of them children. So the sultan was impressed enough that he was like, you know what, I think 
why would we go take over this guy and kill him when it seems like he's doing a great job over here? <laughs> That's essentially what the Sultan is saying. He's like, I don't know if I could do a better job he's myself. Actually, Look at all these bodies. He's actually admiring the work. He is. He is. That's that that now tell me that Vlad didn't learn something from being raised in their empire for a he little had while. There, to have right? Been. He did. He learned everything from them. Why was his his brother and the other ones so much different? Yeah. The ones that were raised, you know, in the in the uh Ottoman. Vlach- yeah, the, no, not the Ottoman. Oh, in the Vla- Vlachian yeah, Empire. Yeah, the Vlachian Empire. True. Yeah. They were so much different. The main Ottoman army left Wallachia, but Vlad's brother Radu and his Ottoman troops were sta- they stayed behind. Radu sent messengers to the Wallachians, rem- reminding them that he that the Sultan could again invade their country. Although Vlad defeated Radu and his Ottoman allies in two battles during the following months, more and more Wallachians deserted to Radu. Vlad, so this is that moment we're talking Dude, about where they the didn't brothers want to get impaled. The brothers. They he they was, went different directions early on after yeah. they were after they were held captive by the Ottomans, and Radu stayed with them. Vlad goes back to Wallachia to protect Christianity and all that. Yeah, and now you have this like head to head clash of brothers where it's like Radu and the and the Ottomans, and you got Vlad and the Wallachians and the Romans. Right, but at this time, Vlad is doing a lot of shit to test his own army and his own like. Supposed loyal people. He the more the more time they're at peace here at this quote unquote peace, mm-hmm. I think the more paranoid he's getting. Mm-hmm. And he's doing things and testing people close to them. If they don't pass these little tests that he's putting them Killing through, them. he's impaling them mm-hmm. or torturing them and their families. Yeah. So why wouldn't people go to Radu? I mean, this is somebody who is already who is still a part of the the Ottoman Empire, is still a part of the the biggest power. Yeah. But they're a peaceful ruler. Mm-hmm. I mean, why wouldn't you want to be around them? No, oh, I can see that. Yeah. No, you're, you're always afraid of being impaled. And so exactly. that'll drive you to the other side real quick because at least they're not going to impale me. Right. Most likely. Yeah. Whereas Vlad, if he just like had to look at him wrong with those piercing green eyes, yeah. and just, you know, you'd look good on a stick. Well, at least his <laughs> eyes move slow so you can dodge him. You can be like, oh, he's coming my way. He's coming my way. Oh, Bro, I feel like I feel like he's looking at someone, and then when you feel those those slow, calculated eyes turn towards you, he's just picturing you on a stake. Already? When he's talking to you, he sees like what would yeah. he look like on a stake, and then his eyes slowly drift above where you are. Yo, right? you're like, oh god, he's seeing like, me oh, being shit. raised up oh, right damn now. Damn it, Vlad, oh, Vlad, shit. what are you looking at? Right? What are you, hey, Vlad, I'm down here. Vlad, Vlad remember that time <laughs> that you liked me? Let's stay over there. Um, Vlad withdrew, withdrew to the Carpathian Mountains, hoping that the that Matthias Corvinus would help him against, uh, help him regain his throne, which had now been taken by Radu. Um, However, someone had already recommended that Corvinus and the Saxons recognize Radu. So pretty much everyone's kind of behind his brother now. Yeah, yeah, let's go to Radu. Radu also made an offer to the nobles of Brasov to confirm their commercial privileges and pay them a compensation of 15,000 ducats. So yeah, that's another thing. The Ottoman, a lot of money. They can... I mean, I guess. Keep people satisfied. 15,000 ducats. I mean, it sounds like a lot. And you will not be impaled as well. That's also a good bonus. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like... 15,000 ducats. What's a ducat in dollars today? <laughs> and anti-impalement healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like, where do I sign? Right. Uh, to give you an idea of how much money that was, as of 1913, a single ducat was valued at about $2. Inflammation fr- okay. or <laughs> inflammation. Inflation from 1913 to today then puts 15,000 ducats at about $775,000. Okay, that's a lot of ducats, man. Thank you for that detail, Sarah, the crime line writer. Hell yeah, that I'd love to have 15,000 ducats. We literally ducats. were wondering that before it popped up on here right that's that's good money bro jesus that'll buy you a castle or two right yeah or two man for sure 
I wonder what a castle cost back then. I wonder, like, did the market Dude, crash sometimes on castles? They probably and... cost like two. I'm so upside down on this castle. No, I, I bet they're about. You know how many two... ducats I owe on this they're... thing? <laughs> they're about two thousand ducats. I think will buy you a good castle. If damn mortgage is fifteen ducats a month. Yeah. This is ridiculous. Turn <laughs> <laughs> off them damn candles. <laughs> You're running up the, <laughs> the propane bills at thirty ducats. <laughs> uh, Whatever they use, yeah. fucking natural gases, I guess. Yep. All right. So Matthias Corvinus came to Transylvania in November 1462. The negotiations between Corvinus and Vlad lasted for weeks, but Corvinus did not want to wage war against the Ottoman Empire. At the king's order, a Czech mercenary commander captured Vlad in Wallachia. So basically, everyone's just kind of cool with the Ottomans ruling things. It's uh, just easier. They kind of have to be. It's easier. Vlad makes things difficult for them. They might be killed by the Ottomans at any mo- any moment when they finally overtake them, mm-hmm. or they might just get impaled by Vlad if he's not feeling them at the moment. Right. And so it's just easier. They're, they're, I think everyone's thinking about their personal safety at this point, and there's kind of like, Absolutely. yeah, let's let the Ottomans rule. It's, uh, eh. it's all good. They're not so bad, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> to provide an explanation for Vlad's imprisonment to Pope Pius II, or Pius, and the Venetians, um... Corvinus presented three letters allegedly written by Vlad on November 7th, 1462, to the Sultan Mahmud Pasha and Stefan of Moldavia. According to the letters, Vlad offered to join his forces with the Sultan's army against Hungary if the Sultan restored him to his throne. Most historians agree that the documents were forged to give grounds for Vlad's imprisonment. Corvinus, court historian, admitted that the reason for Vlad's imprisonment was never explained. Vlad was the first imprisoned in the city of Belgrade, now Alba in L- now Alba Lulia in Romania. Before long, he was taken into Visegrad, where he was held for fourteen years. Now, once again, apologize for all the prob- probable mispronunciations going right. on with all these countries. Most likely mispronunciations. And, yeah. No That's documents right. referring to Vlad between fourteen sixty two and fourteen seventy five still exist today. So we, it's kind of like a lost time. We don't really know what you know. We know he's in captivity. Mm-hmm. Don't really know what he's up to in the summer of fourteen seventy five. Now, but well, I mean, thinking at this point, he's, he's probably done being ruler of Wallachia. But he does have another short stint as ruler of Wallachia again. He gets it back. He's kind of just. Well, I mean, we don't hear anything when he was in prison, right? No. It's just the. Just that's waiting. why we don't hear anything. I yeah. mean, why would we? And if we didn't hear anything at all, then that would lead me even more to think that those previous letters were forged. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because if he was writing at the beginning, why would he stop writing? I mean, I feel like you would still want to reach out right, to somebody. Right, what else you got to do? Exactly. In the summer of 1475, Stephen III of Moldavia sent his envoys to Matthias Corvinus, asking him to send Vlad to Wallachia. According to the Slavic stories about Vlad, he was eventually only released after, the converted, after he converted to Catholicism. So let's talk about his third rule and his eventual death. Matthias Corvinus recognized Vlad as the lawful prince of Wallachia, but he did not provide him the military assistance to regain his territory. Of course not. Thanks, bro. Well, I mean, they had you by the balls, man. At least they gave you your freedom. What else are they going to give you? You think they're going to arm you so you can freaking take them over? Yeah. Vlad settled in a house in the town of Pest when a group of soldiers broke into the house while pursuing a thief who had tried to hide there, Vlad and Vlad had their commander executed because he they had not asked his permission before entering the home. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Vlad moved to Transylvania in four, June of 1475. He wanted to settle in Sibiu and sent his envoy to the town in early June to arrange a house for him. Eventually, he bought a house in Pex that became known as Dracula Haza, Dracula Haza, <laughs> or Dracula's yeah. house in Hungarian. Oh wow. That's magic. How original, bro. Yeah, really? 
In January 1476, the military commander of Transylvania urged the people of Brasov to send Vlad all of his supporters who had settled in the town because Corvinus and the man, the man currently running Wallachia had signed a treaty. Corvinus dispatched Vlad and the Serbian Vuk Grevekic to fight against the Ottomans in Bosnia in early, early 1476. They captured several fortresses in February and March of 1476. The Sultan invaded Moldavia and defeated Stephen III on January on July 26, 1476. Bathory, Stephen Bathory. Remember Elizabeth Bathory? Oh, how could we so forget? So you know this is a member of her family. She was in right. the same area like, a little bit later, right? Like it was, when was Elizabeth Bathory? She's 1500s. Yeah, so yeah. not long after this. It's about 100 so it's years for later. For sure like an uncle or somebody. Definitely. Um, Stephen Bathory and Vlad entered Moldavia, forcing the Sultan to stop the siege of a fortress in late August, according to a letter written by Math- Matthias Corvinus. Matthias Corvinus en- uh, ordered the Transylvanian Saxons to support Bathory, planned an invasion of Wallachia on September 6, 1476, also informing them that Stephen of Moldavia would also invade Wallachia. Bathory's forces captured the capital on November 8th, Stephen of Moldavia and Vlad ceremoniously have confirmed their alliance, and they captured Bucharest. Vlad informed the merchants of Brasov about his victory, urging them to come to come to Wallachia. He was crowned on November 26, 1476. So he's back. Basically, he teamed up with the right people at the right time. That's what right. we're saying. All this it's shit all about went down. Timing. The Bathory's helped him, right? Right. Later, the crazy Elizabeth Bathory would be soaking in blood and whatnot. Yeah. Crazy time period. But yeah, he teamed up with the right people. They overthrew mm-hmm. some shit. He ends up being the ruler of Wallachia once again, even after being yep. captive for years. It looked like it was all over. And now it's smooth sailing. Life is good. I no. probably won't get assassinated. Yeah, no, this wasn't long after that. Oh, <laughs> this, damn. That. Oh, shit. <laughs> so the man that Vlad had ousted returned to Wallachia with Ottoman support, and Vlad died fighting against them in late December 1476 or, or early January 1477. So within a month oh. or two, he was dead. <laughs> they just wanted him to get comfortable and let his fucking guard down. Yeah, they were they were what you're doing. They they made a peace treaty until they got bigger than him. Yeah, he for hadn't sure. Even, and he then... hadn't even changed his like sheepskin sheets yet, or whatever they used back then. <laughs> uh, sheepskin. <laughs> man, if the walls of these castles could talk, right? Fur. They just see like new rulers Persian come in man. constantly. Oh yeah, they're like, oh, here's another one. You How won't long be do you think long. he's gonna last? Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you think? It's like Beauty and the Beast. The yeah. fucking candlesticks are yeah. talking to each other. And <laughs> exactly. Shit. <laughs> According to Leonardo Boda, the the Milanese ambassador to Buddha, the Ottomans cut Vlad's corpse into pieces. It has been written that Vlad's head was sent to the Sultan, and it was preserved in honey in a honey jar. So they used honey. I don't know how. I don't know if you could use the word preserved, but. Right. Uh, it was kept in a honey jar. Yeah. <laughs> His head is now delicious after all those years of <laughs> sitting in sweet, sweet, sweet honey. Just soaked in some honey. It's just <laughs> I might try it. You try that? Yeah, try nice. some old Vlad head? Try some ear. Like six, 600 years old, something like that. Some Vlad ear soaked in honey for a thousand years? Yeah. It sounds like a delicacy. Does it? You'd pay top dollar for that. Yeah, probably. They probably would. There's probably people who would. Yeah. Just for the, they make it like a candle out of it. You just put a little wick out head, on the top. Uh, they, that's a thing with... Uh, Certain people like the cat, the head cheese, right? Uh, it's supposed to be pretty good. Like you soak a cow's head, or you like boil it, or whatever. Boil. Speaking of boiled, Vlad also before we lose sight of this, yeah, come one back of his to other that. one of his other tortured methods, cheese. he supposedly boiled a person alive and fed them to someone else. Jesus, yeah, that's very Game of Thrones. It's like what you just talked about. Yeah. So what about this cow head cheese? 
Head cheese? You haven't heard of that? No. What's they, going on with this? So, like, to, in order to use every part of a cow. Okay. Um, it's obviously not widespread. You don't get it at grocery stores and stuff, but you can get head cheese. It's yeah, boiled, probably like in Wisconsin. They or boil the head of the cow, and then the meat just kind of, like, falls off, and it's supposed to be really good. And it's and it's just the meat? The, there's no cheese? Yeah, it's like the meat, like the cheeks and, you know, all that. But why are they calling it cheese, though? Because I think that's the texture. It becomes, like, a cheesy texture. Oh. Gross. <laughs> oh. Bill Gross. So it's closer to the texture of cheese than it yes. is meat, yes. but it's actually the meat. But it's supposed in to be In the face. Good. Wouldn't that just be it's like primarily muscles? I feel like I've every time I've petted a cow, I've been like, damn, that's your skull, like, right there. Yeah, but there's there's right parts there. where if you were to go like on your face, you got you know, like your eye, like your eyebrows, like yeah, very little meat there. But you go down yeah. a little further onto your cheek, there's some meat in there, okay. and it all adds That's up. True. If you were to boil it all, there'd be a certain like a amount cheese, of meat there, like some face cheese. Yeah, I got you. Okay, all right, I buy it. Yeah, I'd try it. I'd try it for sure. Head cheese, guys. <laughs> Unknown delicacy. All right, so let's let's wrap this up by talking about okay. of Vlad's reputation that was gained after his death. Mainly his reputation for cruelty. Stories about Vlad's brutal acts began circulating during his lifetime. After his arrest, couriers of Matthias Corvinus promoted their spread. The German singer Michael Biem wrote a lengthy poem about Vlad's deeds, allegedly based on his conversations with a Catholic monk who had managed to escape from Vlad's prison. The poem called, quote, Von Aim Wutrick der Heist Trackel Wada von der Wallachy. <laughs> Or the story of a bloodthirsty madman called Dracula oh of Wallachia. I was like, how long is this title? It just kept getting worse. I have no idea. What the, that I'm, was not a, like, I'm not even going to try. I think, I think that was a that valiant was, effort. That was obviously in German, and what it, what it yeah. meant was the story of a bloodthirsty madman called Dracula oh. in Wallachia. Okay. The poem was performed at the court of Frederick III in the winter of 1463. According to one of Beheim's Be- Be- stories, Vlad had two monks impaled to assist them to go to heaven also ordering the impalement of their donkey because it began braying after its master's death. So the donkey being upset by its master being impaled in front of it gets impaled as well. Yeah, how dare that donkey? Right. <laughs> Just calm your ass lo- down, donkey. Poor loyal donkey. Right. Jeez. In 1475, Gabriel Rangoni, Bishop of Eger, notes that Vlad had been imprisoned because of his cruelty. Rangoni also recorded the rumor while in prison Vlad caught rats to cut them up into pieces or stuck them on small pieces of wood because he was unable to, quote, forget his wickedness. I don't know about that. That sounds a little... I don't know about that. I think they're just trying to really paint him in a bad way because they imprisoned him for no reason. Not only did he impale humans, he impaled rats. Yeah. Antonio Bonfoni also recorded (laughs) anecdotes about Vlad and his Historia Panonica, Around 1495, Bonfoni tried to justify both the removal and the restoration of Vlad by Matthias Corvinus. He described Vlad as, quote, a man of unheard cruelty and justice. Turkish messengers came to Vlad to pay respects but refused to take off the turbans according to their ancient custom, whereupon he strengthened their custom by nailing their turbans to their heads with three spikes so that they could not take them off. Yikes. Yeah, he wasn't uh, what you would say tolerant. Of, other, of anyone. Of other cultures or... Or views or anybody. Right. Yeah. He, he did all that just to make a point, man. Yeah, that's he a crazy story, the man. They refuse to remove their turban, so he nails them to their head. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some German stories. Works containing the stories about Vlad's cruelty, cruelty were published in Low German in the Holy Roman Empire before 1480. 
The stories were allegedly written in the 1460s because they described Vlad's campaign across the Danube in early 1462, but they do not refer to the Sultan's invasion of Wallachia in June of the same year. The stories about Vlad's plundering raids in Transylvania were clearly based on an eyewitness account because they contain accurate details, including the list of the churches destroyed by Vlad and the dates of the raids. That's kind of hard to argue. Yeah. They describe Vlad as, quote, a demented psychopath, a a sadist, a gruesome murderer, a masochist, worse than Caligula or Nero. Uh, However, the stories emphasizing Vlad's cruelty cruelty should be treated with caution because his, his brutal acts were probably exaggerated by the Saxons. The, inven- the invention of movable type printing contributed to the popularity of the stories about Vlad, making them one of the first bestsellers in Europe. To enhance sales, they were published in books with woodcuts on their p- title pages that depicted horrific scenes. So, yeah. like, this became a early true crime pornography <laughs> type shit. <laughs> yeah. Pornography. No, maybe not pornography. <laughs> no, 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 not like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess some guys are probably into it. Yeah. But. The yeah, the invention of the movable type was about twenty years after his death, so it wasn't that basically wasn't like that a printing long. press. There right? were plenty of writings available to be printed, although most of them German. Mm-hmm. You know, so all this, the ones in circulation at that time were German. Yeah, so this uh, Romanian, Wallachian, mm-hmm. sadist uh, leader over there who's impaling right. everybody is going to be good reading. Oh yeah, by candlelight at night, it's going to be it's going to get the heart racing. I mean, that's you had to have content. You wanted to sell your, if you wanted to sell your paper or newsletter yep. or whatever they, <laughs> and you know they were probably they were probably sensationalizing it even more, exaggerating. For, you have to to sell some more papers. Oh, absolutely. For instance, the editions published in Nuremberg in 1499 and in Strasbourg in 1500 depict Vlad dining at a table surrounded by dead or dying people on poles. Vlad had a big copper cauldron built and put a lid made of wood with holes in, in it on top. He put the people in the cauldron and put their heads in the holes and fastened them there. Then he filled it with water and set a fire underneath it to let the people cry their eyes out until they were boiled to death. And then he invented frightening, terrible, unheard of tortures. He ordered that women be impaled together with their suckling babies in the same stake. The babies fought for their lives as the mother's bre- on the, fo- the mother's breast until they died. Then he had the women's breasts cut off and put the babies inside head first. Thus, he had impaled them together. Jesus. That might be the worst shit we've ever read on this that's podcast. That's probably the worst. That's absolutely the worst thing. It's got to be, right? Yeah, we should put a warning before we that. We should definitely have warned you guys Here's a warning that. after that. Uh, that's rough. Don't rewind it. Yeah. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't listen again to that, but you already heard it. These stories may have influenced Martin Luther's beer wolf concept of a ruler who is worse than a tyrant and must be resisted by the people. Martin Luther, of course, part of the uh, story I told you to go listen to, uh, Prophets of Doom, Prophets of Doom all about yes. Martin Luther protesting and, against the Catholic Church, posting up those signs. That was about the time of the printing press came out, and yep. he became huge for basically letting pe- telling people that they can interpret the Bible for themselves. Oh, big no-no, man. It created chaos. Well, to be fair, I mean, that's where the, all these prophets started the popping church, up. The church did say, if you have any recommendations, pin it to the door. I mean, <laughs> so he pinned them to the damn door. Yeah, they didn't mean like that, bro. Oh. They meant enough. like, if, if you guys want to kiss our ass, post some shit up there. Otherwise, oh. if you say anything else, we're going to definitely burn you at the stake. So, yeah. That sounds like, that sounds like, mind your P's and Q's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about some Slavic stories when it pertains to Vlad, the Impaler of Vlad Dracula. Yeah, let's, let's see what the Slavs think. There are more than 20 manuscripts written between the 15th and 18th centuries which preserve the text called The Tale About Military Commander Dracula. 
These stories are longer than the German stories about Vlad. They are a mixture of fact and fiction, according to historians. Almost half of the anecdotes emphasize Vlad's brutality, but they also underline that his cruelty, cruelty en enabled him to strengthen the central government in Wallachia. That's a good point. I was talking to you about this before the before this case. A lot of a lot of historians say, well, you know, he was he's so famous now because of just timing with the printing press and went on because he was so cruel. Right. But like he really played a small role in Eastern European uh, politics in that time period and wasn't that big of a player and all that stuff. But I but when you hear the story of how he defended Wallachia against the Ottoman Empire. And how he turned around the sultan by those twenty thousand head, yeah. you know, bodies on stakes and everything. They probably would have been engulfed by by the Ottoman Empire at that at that junction had right. he not done that. And who knows where that part of the world would be? Would Romania even exist? I don't know. I don't know shit about this. You know, obviously, right? We're I'm just, just speculating. Here. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a historian, but it does seem like he did a lot, and Dude, I think he, he was, deserves the credit, the press that he got. I think he had a great presence in, you know, in. He um, was cruel when a time where he had to be cruel, but maybe more cruel than he had to be. <laughs> I'll just say that. He yeah, was extremely you, cruel, impaling babies. I mean, come on. Yeah, that is even awful. for medieval times. That's over the top. How do you think the people? You think the people of uh, Wallachia even knew about this kind of stuff? You think they knew about this stuff right away, or you think they just kind of turned a blind eye because, well, it keeps us safe. It grows our economy. I think they were used to cruelty. Our... Yeah, I think I don't think it was. He was like, well, it's not me. You know. And as long as better it's helping, than us, type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, perhaps. Okay. Yeah, um, he probably did have a really strong presence there. Some stories did sharply criticize Vlad for his converse, his conversion to Catholicism, attributing his death to the church. Um, a hero, the the Canacuzino Chronicle was the first Romanian historical work to record a tale about Vlad the Impaler, narrating his impalements of aristocrats in response to the murder of his brother Dan. Most Romanian artists have regarded Vlad as a just ruler and a realistic tyrant who punished criminals and executed unpatriotic aristocrats to strengthen the central government. The poet Dimitri Balinitao emphasized Vlad's triumphs in his battles at the Romanians in the mid of, middle of the 19th century. His regarded Vlad, or he regarded Vlad as a reformer whose acts of violence were necessary to prevent the despotism of the aristocrats. Since the middle of the 19th century, Romanian historians have treated Vlad as one of the greatest Romanian rulers, emphasizing his fight for the independence of the Romanian lands. Even Vlad's acts of cruelty, cruelty were often represented as na rational acts serving national interest. According to the opinion poll conducted in 1999, 4.1% of the participants showed Vlad the Impaler as one of, quote, the most important historical personalities who have ever influenced the destiny of the Romanians for the better. Not I mean, a high percentage? I was about to say, only 4%. 4%? That's, that's not a very good approval. I'm sure they rate. had other great Romanian leaders to choose from, though, you know? But, like, they're say, yeah. essentially saying, like, definitely not bad. They're saying he, he he's in the upper echelon of Romanian historical figures. Okay. And one of the big reasons uh, why we're still around. I mean, 4%. How many people? I mean, if, you know, if 100 people, only 4 people yeah. out of 100 random people and thought that he those was... those people... And, yeah, and I how many take a look at them? <laughs> right when they did the survey, like how many? I love how we like how many rulers did they have cool. to list? You know what I'm saying? Right. There's a lot of factors. We don't know Romanian survey. history very yeah. much, so who knows who else? We don't know how the survey was taken. It's yeah. gotta look into the data. 
Uh, let's wrap this up by talking a little bit of vampire mythology. The stories about Vlad made him the best-known medieval ruler of the Romanian lands in Europe. However, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which was published in 1897, was the first book to make a connection between Dracula and vampirism. Stoker had his attention drawn to the blood-sucking vampires of Romanian folklore by an article about Transylvanian superstitions, which was published in 1885. Stoker apparently did not know much about Vlad the Impaler, definitely not enough for most historians to feel comfortable saying that Vlad was the inspiration for <laughs> Count Dracula. The main source for Stoker's story described Vlad as a wicked man. However, the working papers for his book contain no references to Vlad. It's more likely that Stoker borrowed the name from name and scraps of mis miscellaneous information about the history of Wallachia when writing his book about Count Dracula. Absolutely. I think a lot of artists do this where they take, you know, a little bit over here, a little bit over there, and right. they, they make one awesome concoction like Dracula. Yeah, or like, old, or like vampire. Old Town Road. Old Town Road. <laughs> <laughs> Got my horse in my back. You guys thought it was over, didn't you? Oh, it came back. <laughs> I, got I got my horses in the back. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's a good way to wrap this up. Yeah, that's perfect. Well, Old Town Road is a go. proper way to end. It's a better. It's a better Vlad way the to Impaler, end. of course. I mean, it's better. Yeah, it's better than ending with impaling. Right. Which no one wants to end there, <laughs> figuratively or literally. Yep. All right. Yeah, that was fun, man. I love going back to medieval times. Don't you guys? Uh, it's so it's so shocking. It's just so shocking. The music is so perfect. You can't hear that music without just picturing castles and people being beheaded and. I just picture vampires like raising up out of the casket, right? And it's just like lightning. Have you guys watched it's like what a lightning the, thunderstorm outside? You guys watch what we do in the shadows yet? <laughs> God, it's so funny. The movie's funny. The show's yeah. pretty funny from what I've seen. I've seen a couple of the movie of the show. is just epic. The movie is is perfect. Yeah. You, that's it's, it's so good. That's everything you need right there. Yeah, it's so good. All right, that was Vlad the Impaler, guys. We hope uh, you guys enjoyed it. We hope you were able to follow along for the most part. You don't need to understand the whole full history yeah, of Eastern Europe and medieval times. Right. Just know it was a power, power struggle. Some people stuck out a little more than others. Pun no intended. Pun in oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and he was one of them. Vlad the Impaler, yeah. his legend will live on for his cruelty and also perhaps his important role that he played for Romania. And may have maybe a reason for why it still exists or a, a large role, reason for why it's still around. It's his cruelty scared off the uh, incoming Ottomans trying to take over. Yeah, he bought them some time. He bought them some time by that's impaling right. 20,000 people, guys. Right. That's that's a lot of time bought. It's hard for your brain to uh, get over that. It's hard to continue on your fight Two against miles. a person when they when you see that. Two miles, man. There's a scene from Game of Thrones much like that. A lot of bodies up on stakes, and you have to keep going past them and past them and past them. The, the slavers did that to send a message to Daenerys, I believe, at one point. Man, they definitely got that idea from Vlad, huh? For sure. They took a lot of inspiration from Vlad as well yeah. as Bram Stoker. All right. That's All right. it, guys. Let's do some shout-outs. Let's uh, – How about we do some sponsors? Sponsors, like, oh, my guy, why do yeah, my pits like, smell so good? Because oh I got True guy, Crime yeah. Pine on. Oh, are do you? Today is a True Crime Pine day. Is it? Oh, I got Egyptian musk on today, actually. Mm. I, I just can't get over that Egyptian musk, man. I'm hooked on it right now. If you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Oh My Gaia. Oh My Gaia is an innovative, all-natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural paraben and aluminum-free organic ingredients. They have a ton of scents like we already referred to. I'm wearing Egyptian musk, and we have our very own scent called True Crime Pine that has our uh, old-school podcast logo on the sticker. It's pretty, pretty dope. It's got our headshots on there. 
it, there's a ton of other scents. That but, scent oh, yeah. is untraceable. It will help you get away with murder. That's if true. You need to kill someone. Mm-hmm. You um, know, we're not saying do it for the thrill. We're saying right. If, if, like scent dogs, they can't even smell it. They're like, what is this? Just a pine forest? I don't know. Right. Yeah, they have no idea. Okay, there's, but if that's not for you, there's there's tons of other scents. There's vanilla, cherry, almond, sandalwood, lavender, uh, lemongrass, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle. Lumberjack is my huge. That's usually what I wear. That's a good one. That's that's a good one. Fireside, Great. that's another one of my favorites. But if you guys are interested in trying it out, you can use our code CREEPER, C-R-E-E-P-E-R, for 15% off at ohmygaia.com, O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com, or at shop underscore Oh my Gaia on Instagram. All right. I also want to uh, give my wife's business a shout out. It's uh, Mojave High Creations on Instagram at Mojave High Creations, and she also has an Etsy store where, where she makes custom, um, mostly women's clothing. But she's working on also um, working on like some tank tops and some beanies and gloves and shit for the winter. So or in the fall. So she's gonna have a lot of stuff coming. It's all she, handmade. She's gonna have a code word for the creepers. There already is one. That's what I was going to get to. And I yes. left it out of the last podcast. Oh, shit. But it is code Creeper. Fuck yeah. At the, on her Etsy store, etsy.com slash Mojave High Creations. And you can use the code Creeper for 15% off. And, you know, maybe if you tell her you're a fan of the pe- podcast, maybe she'll give you a better discount. Definitely tell her you're a fan of the Codpask. Definitely of the Codpask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys but, are some creative people, man. I love it. I go out there to your... To your spot out in the desert, and you guys yeah. got all kinds of stuff painted out there. You guys are, <laughs> that's cool, man. Like Michael and his yeah. family are always doing artsy stuff. It's cool. Yeah, we we, we got to man. They're you, not sitting around just playing video games all day. Shit. A lot of like a lot of families like they're creating stuff. Yeah, man. we got to appreciate that. We do it, man. The kids appreciate it. They really do. Like they don't like it at first, but it's shit that they remember. Oh yeah, they remember re- that yeah, stuff. We've talked about it before. Podca- I mean, like doing uh, playing video games is fun Absolutely. in the moment. It's one of those things. that's fun in the moment, but yeah. you're not. You're not getting building yourself up, and you're not creating memories necessarily. Exactly. <clears throat> All right, man. I got some shout outs, some specific shout outs for some people this week. Okay. I want to say what's up to the True Crime Recaps podcast. Uh, they wanted to do a promo swap. We don't really do promo swaps, but I, I definitely checked out their show. It's good. Go check out True Crime Recaps podcast. I told them I'd give them a shout out. I instead. think you just did a promo swap. There you go. <laughs> uh, I want to say what's up to Zach Dysinger. Um, he said he would love to have a shout out for his newborn son, Oliver, who was just born, uh, on May 30th at 342. Um, he wants to show his wife that the money is worth sending for great. So basically he's a Patreon and, and he wants to show his wife that it's worth the money he's sending because uh, they got dude. a shout out for their new son. She's, so that's welcome. not going to be enough to convince her. <laughs> welcome new creeper, Oliver. <laughs> new creeper. All right. Hell yeah. So yeah. What's up guys. Welcome to the world, bro. Zach, Oliver and, uh, mother of Oliver. Shout out. Right. Who was a former doubter, but now a believer in true crime guys. Yeah. <laughs> Germ Pen on Instagram um, hit us up, asked how they could leave a review because they don't have iTunes or they don't have Apple. And we told them to try Stitcher. And then they commented back. They said, hey, guys, how the hell do you leave a review on Stitcher? <laughs> I don't fucking see where to do it. I could probably Google it, but would rather hear you tell us on the podcast. Keep up the good work. This is my review. Copy, paste it. <laughs> okay, great. Do you have a Stitcher account? You know what? It's not easy anymore. I feel like they changed go, it. Go to it. Let's go to it. I feel like they changed Dude, it. I don't have a Stitcher account, and every time I go on there, you can't look at reviews. You can't look at anything. That's why we don't do Stitcher reviews hardly ever. Yeah, it, it used to be easier, and I feel like mm-hmm. I was trying to find our reviews so we could give people a shout-out, but right. yeah, they've made it hard, man. I don't know what's going on over there. Come on, Stitcher. Also, Stitcher, 
you know, I'm not shitting on you if you use Stitcher and you like Stitcher. That's cool. It seems like um, if you don't have the best phone service, like your your streaming is not great on your phone, mm-hmm. it works no matter what. But it's like AM radio quality. Like the sound quality takes a big oh. hit when you listen on Stitcher. If you listen on Stitcher and then you go listen on iTunes, it's a measurable difference as far okay. as like the quality. Way clearer on iTunes, on most podcast apps, to be fair. Stitcher seems to, I don't know whether they have low bandwidth well, or what's going on. They're trading quality for speeds, what they're doing. Yeah, I feel like that's true. Like yeah. if you have not great phone service and like maybe you're, you skips a lot during our show because you're not streaming that great. Maybe try Stitcher because it probably won't. Yeah, it probably won't cut out and everything. Or you could just pre-download the episode. We do have thirty-four reviews on Stitcher. Uh, can't figure out how to look at them. Wait, there we go. There they are. Hey, we can I'm see. I'm dumb. Them. They're it's really easy. There actually. they are. How do you how do you leave a review though? How do you leave one? Uh, I think if you're logged in, it's just like allows you to leave a review. I don't know. Okay, just click on. Well, there you go. If you're logged in, just leave one. <laughs> yeah. Let's so let's sort by the <laughs> most recent. We got one from six days ago from okay. Annie of Atlanta. Uh, why are you not in New Orleans? <laughs> 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 so, yeah, she left a nice long review, five stars. Thank you very much. Uh, Pelegrin18, 11 days ago. Thank you. Uh, huge fan of true crime and therefore listened to a lot of podcasts, was looking for new podcasts to listen to. Um, just decided to try this one. And oh, man, I'm glad I did. So, yeah, you get the gist of oh, it. Thank cool. you for that five star review. I want to thank Pocket Robin Tenley. Uh, says we're one of their favorites, um, and we got a three star. I'm not yelling at you, fellas. Just wanted to make you aware that referring to women as chicks is very antiquated. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, okay. Oh boy. What else do we got? I mean, we're dudes, though, right? Yeah, we're dudes. <laughs> a couple of dudes can call we're a chick a, a chick. Is that all right with y'all? It's uh, just. Oh, oh man. All right. What else? <laughs> uh dan and carol says it's a great show lots of info without the gory details oh this one would beg to differ this Whoa. episode would beg oh to... yeah we kind of you kind of went overboard with the gory details yeah dan like, you picked a bad episode for us to read gone. that review <laughs> there's a lot of impaling in this one <laughs> like bullshit yeah <laughs> uh and amanda from down under thank you amanda from australia i'm assuming thank you thanks for the five star reviews we're still got a we have a four point nine average. That's bullshit, man. How's that happen? Stitcher, man. That's great. Well, that one, that one three star because we said chicks. No, I meant how's it that high? Oh, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you're right. You know what? That's crazy. All right, so we got some iTunes reviews since last week. Um, hit a thousand, and then we're just keep on trucking, man. We're already like a thousand sixteen or some shit. Uh, yeah, we appreciate it. Guys. Thank you guys for taking the time to go do that. You don't even have to write a review if you don't feel like doing that. No, you can just go click five stars, or you can write a review. We love to read those, like we said on the crapper. It's nice. <laughs> it's when you got a couple of minutes downtime. Yeah. It is the it is my favorite part. The reviews are my favorite parts. It's, even the even the bad ones, I still like it. It's right. still exciting. Uh, I want to thank DSK seven thirteen for your five star review. Um, Blue Daisy Rose in Australia. Listening in Australia, just found you. Really enjoying your personalities and casual style. Um, thank you so much. And her name's Chrissy. So thank you, Chrissy. Um, this person, Conkers, said, married but still in love with you two. <laughs> Five star. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> thank you. Um, Brian and Andy. Uh, five stars said we're hilarious and creepy. Thank you. And uh-huh. Jana in Arizona. Thanks for that backhanded compliment. Five star <laughs> review. Awesome. Oh, That's hilarious cute. and creepy. Right? <laughs> All right. Yeah. So thank you guys for taking the time to do that. Like we said, 
And uh, also go check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash truecrimeguys. Bunch of bonus content yep. on there, bunch of episodes you haven't heard, and you won't be able to hear for another two years unless you That's right. pledge two bucks a month gets you all this shit. And it yep. gets you in the monthly drawing to win anything from our store. Um, it gets you Michael's bonus show, Higher yep. Thoughts with Michael. Yep. That's and me. he puts he puts hosting some it. time into that show, and I love it. It's fun. <laughs> it's just Michael hanging out in a higher state yep. of mind. If you catch our drift, um, yeah. Sometimes so I have my wife on there. We're trying to get sometimes Esther Lauren's from Once Upon a Crime on there. Oh, we're gonna, I'm gonna have her on there. Someone from uh, on Twitter, listeners of our shows, basically said we, Jeff said that Michael needs to have Esther on. That's and right. Esther's, that was a great idea, Jeff. Esther says it sounds like she's down for it. She just she. Can't get in a quote unquote higher state of mind, but she said yep. she can drink some whiskey. So that'd okay. be that'd be fun to hear okay. Esther off the cuff drinking whiskey, That's right. hanging out with Michael. We'll start the conversation at like three or four shots deep. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll make yeah. I'll make sure she pregames. I would love to hear that. So definitely <laughs> keep pressuring Esther We're to ready. make that happen. Right, <laughs> exactly. and check out Once Upon a Crime podcast for sure. One of the best Absolutely. out there. Absolutely. Uh, what else? Uh, follow us on Instagram, on Twitter at True Crime Guys. Check out our Facebook page. True Crime Guys on right. there. Oh. We have a closed group run by Michelle K that you can yep. go be a part of. And Chris Sharp as well. Can't get enough True Crime Guys talk and you just want to hang out with other creepers on there. You can talk about anything too. It's not just our show, but you can. Oh, absolutely not. There's yeah, it's a like a forum. It's like a forum for like. Podcasts. It's like a forum for like minded creepers out there. So Exactly. You, yeah. you're, you can feel comfortable with your weird sense of humor and you can share those, those gifts and those memes that you can't share with your family and friends on Facebook. Precisely. Oh, oh, one more quick thing about the Patreon app. It's working much better now. Oh, the Patreon, yeah. So if you signed up for our Patreon, just like, oh, I want to hear all this bonus content, all that right. shit, two bucks a month, sure, whatever, and you got you got Patreon, you got the app, and you tried to listen to our show on there, our bonus episodes, and they were cutting out and all that stuff, we got endless comments about that. Yep. The Patreon app was a We disaster. had no control over that whatsoever, We had no guys. control. We were trying to lead you guys to subscribe to our private Patreon feed through whatever app you have, which is actually kind of difficult, people found. It can be. It, I got it to work with a- Apple iTunes, and it was awesome. I had my own subscri- subscription feed on iTunes. Right. But you to, still don't get the pictures and the posts that we that we make on Patreon, though. Yeah. Well, they have since done a patch, yeah. I guess, to the Patreon app, and yes. it works great now it from really what we does. hear. So if you quit because of that, come on back, be a part of the Creep Party. Yeah, the Patreon app, guys, it, it just bas- it's very easy to use. It, it's just like a social media app. You can just scroll through the post. Sometimes we put little updates up on there regarding uh, Patreon, and there's no audio file. It's just text, so yeah. you wouldn't even see it. Um, if you're using iTunes or, or mm-hmm. another podcast app or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it just it's easy to keep everything sorted on the uh, Patreon app. And you and can now, comment on episodes. And, and now when you listen to our, our exclusive episodes on there, it's not skipping out. Have you tried it? Yeah. I listened to two episodes back-to-back, and okay. I could have never done that before on the Patreon app. All right. You usually so can't there, make it through, like, the first 15 minutes. There you have it. Patreon, thank you for getting your shit together. Yeah. And making the app actually work. And so, yeah, if that was why you left before, come on back. Yeah, give it another shot. Yep. And if you're having problems with it right now, maybe re-download it or check for an update. All right. All right. All right, guys, that'll do it. Next week we're going to be releasing, speaking of Patreon, a Freeloader free series. series episode from two years yep. ago on Patreon. So I'm not sure what it's going it? to be. Is it Bundy? Ted Bundy. Oh, boy. I think it might be That's Bundy. That's timely. Because we talked a lot about Zac Efron playing He's him. He's coming up. Bundy was somewhere near so the beginning. That was two years ago, and that was when speculation had vers- first come yep. out that Zac Efron was going to play him. And we had another actor in mind that we thought would be better, who looks yep. more like Ted Bundy. Yeah, he really does. Yeah, and so yeah, you get to hear that if that's the episode, Ted Bundy. I think it is. We used *A Stranger Beside Me*, the book by Anne Rule, to study for that case. Yep. 
And yeah, we had some interesting takes on Ted Bundy. I think they were a little bit that was different than most than the common conception of him. Yep. All right, guys, we'll see you next week for the uh, Freeloader episode. Whether it's Ted Bundy or something else, we don't know yet because we've done a lot of episodes on there. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, we'll see you then, and then we'll see you the following week, right? Or yeah, we'll see yeah. you the following week for, for a free episode for, or for no, Patreon. 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 <laughs> All right, so now is no better time <laughs> to sign up for Patreon. Yeah, it's right when we got our shit together. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Do it or I will impale you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, keep creeping, guys. Keep creeping. True crime, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder, get murder, get murder. Crime, crime, crime. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder charming. Mm-hmm.